CDC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community. And subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible, and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Guides.co is a company all about mission and impact. Through a community-driven platform, grassroots knowledge is shared between individuals and organizations. Founder and CEO Scott Annan built Guides.co to help individuals navigate knowledge and learning using a cloud-based digital platform. Thanks so much for being here, Scott. Oh, thanks for having me. So as always, I love to know what got you to where you are. So can you share with us a little bit about your origin story? What brought you to entrepreneurship? Oh my, um, like many entrepreneur stories, it's a long and winding road and, um, it's, it's, uh, it's my own. I don't know how, uh, interesting it is, but I started my first business when I was 15 years old. Uh, it was a pool cleaning and eventually repair business. Um, I've always loved the idea of entrepreneurship and did a lot of leadership, uh, training and programs through high school and university. I actually dropped out of high school and, uh, ended up going back to university uh, where I did a degree in philosophy and English literature, and then finally a, a master's in computer science. Um, the I started a company right after that, 
I've always had some kind of business kind of on the side doing different things and really got involved in, in technology, you know, after a classic education. And, uh, but I worked for a startup in Toronto for a while that was doing online booking and decided I needed some more enterprise experience working in a large company. So I went and worked for an international company in their European headquarters and, um, worked in their e-business, as it was called at the time, team there, where I was responsible for all their online activities, as well as uh, stores, online commerce across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And that was quite a great experience. And then moved to their head office in the States. I actually moved from um, downtown Paris, France to Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, did a similar uh, job worldwide. And while I was inside this company, I actually started a, uh, a development company inside uh, the organization and uh, it was really successful. And so I ended up spinning that off and doing um, development, mostly online community development for large Fortune 500 companies, mostly in the East Coast of the States. And then moved back to Ottawa with my family and would fly kind of every week back down south. And um, and when I got here, I I, I was looking for kind of the startup community in Ottawa to see, you know, what was going on. And uh, so I, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, information about the startup community. And so I called up a guy who had just started a company, a little e-commerce company. His name was Scott Lake and the uh, the founder and original CEO of Shopify. And him and I started a blog called Startup Ottawa and eventually had a kind of open office in in, uh, in the Glebe where it became a hangout for a lot of uh, the entrepreneurs in, in Ottawa and uh, started a few products then and um, realized there wasn't a lot of funding and other sources of mentorship for startups. And so started an accelerator called Mercury Launch. And that would I'm horrible with dates. So that would have been around 2012, I think. And uh, funded a couple of companies um, who've done quite, quite well. Um, one of them is Fullscript that uh, continues to be one of the fastest growing companies in Ottawa. And, um, and at the time realized that, you know, there wasn't really any playbooks for startups. There wasn't, um, there was a lot of conferences you could go to where you could kind of hear, you know, information about people's stories. Um, there was a lot of blogs that had a lot of opinions, but as far as real kind of playbooks on how do you do this, uh, it didn't exist. And that was really the genesis of guides.co, um, was how can people access lessons learned by other successful people at very specific, uh, things that they've accomplished. and I saw this as an opportunity for the whole world, but thought, you know, in the startup space, um, you know, how, how do we create kind of a prototype of this and, and see if it will work? And so we started a website called startupplays.com. And the idea was playbooks by successful entrepreneurs. And uh, we launched that and, and there was a lot of success around it. Uh, but really the bigger vision for guys is that, you know, most of us live our lives not that different than an entrepreneur is how do we adjust to shifts that are happening in our lives? And how do we, you know, when, whether it's starting a company or losing a job or, um, you know, dealing with health crises, really anything, these things that change, how do we really get used to the new kind of territory? How do, how do we adapt ourselves really quickly? And that was really the concept behind guides.co is how do we share knowledge in a way that is constantly being updated, that we can easily access it in times of need. Um, and we can kind of build kind of community around those concepts. And so it's a different type of kind of knowledge sharing and learning that really counts on community to share their information. Wonderful. And something that I learned as I was doing uh, my research was 
you are an exceptional fundraiser. Uh, what has your experience been in raising funds for your companies and in getting them off the ground through fundraising? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, fundraising is, is there's definitely kind of a science to it, but it's mostly in art and it's mostly about personality and pal and passion, uh, especially in the early stages. So there's a very different, uh, approach to fundraising when you're talking about early stage, talking to angel investors versus later stage, you're talking to institutional investors. And really the later stage is about business fundamentals, about, you know, kind of how markets are changing, um, and you know, where people are interested in putting their, their money where early stage is much more about relationships and shared passion. Um, and so I think that in, in many ways, like the, the most other aspects of starting a business, it's all about the founder's passion for the topic and the clarity that they see of what they want to exist in the world. It's less about the blueprint of exactly how they're going to do it. Um, almost all angel investors know that you haven't figured it all out yet. And so it's about painting a picture of a world that uh, has a solution that they, they want to see as well. I love that. If there were some tactical tips you could give our audience when it comes to fundraising in, in the beginnings and early stages, what advice would you offer? Uh, I think, I think it's just practicing and, and, and by doing so, um, you know, I think it's talking to as many people as you can and rehearsing or practicing that discussion that you have with somebody. Um, you know, it's, 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 there's, there's no early time to start, uh, discussing your ideas and your goals with people. Um, I'll be honest, I've, I've lost a little bit of, of, um, you know, my, my, my interest in the way that we approach a lot of these tools, because we, we tend to try to get too specific and we, we talk about tactics and I, I can't stand the word pitch. Um, because I think it's just conversations that we have with people. And I think trying to to take it down to kind of a boilerplate, I think is dangerous. I think that there's definitely some common elements that you want to have in a discussion you're having with somebody, but I don't want to lose the humanity and the relationship aspect to the things we do as entrepreneurs. And that goes across the board. And oftentimes when we talk about tactics or ways of doing things, we turn it into something that's not as, as human and as emotional. And I've never met an investor that doesn't even invest with their emotions. And as much as they'll tell you other things, and, you know, people invest in the people they like and the ideas they want to see, you know, live. And so I think what's much more important is, is having communications and conversations with people and finding out, you know, where do you have connections? And it's that kind of connections that get people to believe in what you're doing. And most of the pitches where I've been successful in raising money, um, you knew within the first five minutes, you know, whether that person wanted to be on board with your journey or not. And if you consider it that way and recognize that you're on a journey and you need people to be, you know, on that journey with you. And sometimes that's financial support. Oftentimes we don't talk about enough. It's emotional support. Um, you know, then getting better at being able to tell that story and understanding how it, it resonates with different people is the key to, to being successful with it. So relationship building is at the core of a lot of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you were developing guides.co, what guides were you looking for? in life or in your business that you were hoping this product could help fill the gap with? Oh my goodness. So many. So, I mean, it's been, you know, four years since I've started guides and I think of the things that I've gone through, definitely, you know, fundraising, um, you know, I, and, and I'm, and I'm thinking of, I'm less interested in the, this necessarily the specific tactics, but hearing how different people did it and then seeing how I can adapt that for myself. Um, I've also dealt with, uh, uh, um, 
issues with, with, with mental health in my family. And I'll tell you, navigating that in, in our current health system is extremely difficult. And I still wish, and, um, you know, I have a personal mission to, to make sure that there's more information available to people who are dealing with, with, uh, mental health and, and, um, trying to support people in their, um, you know, in, in their network that are dealing with it. That is, uh, such a pain and it's very, uh, uh, I find it very discouraging not to have access to the kind of information that you need. Um, you know, I, th- I think that I've got, I've got four kids. So seeing them grow up in the different stages that they're going through at different in, in uh, different school settings, um, you know, and, and their life pursuits, it's, it's the kind of thing that we see around us with the internet and all the access to people and information. I still think there's a real issue with finding information that is actionable and practical and from sources that you can trust. And too much is this kind of dumpster fire content that it's pure marketing or top 10 lists or, you know, this, this other fluff. And, and then the other risk is being part of social networks where you're in an echo chamber and you, and you're hearing the same things. And so, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's anything, the difficulty with, with guides.co and this type of solution is that it's always changing. There's, there's always different things that you wish you had access to, um, based on again, kind of life events. But I would say that, um, you know, the, the trying to get different perspectives and hear how other people have dealt with similar issues is really what, what, you know, really works for me. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I read, I say I average over a book a week. So I'm an avid reader and I read on every topic except business, but any other topic I, I read about. And, uh, I find I always get some great ideas at a different books, right? Um, it's not necessarily the reason why I chose a book. Um, and I think it's similarly is, you know, we're trying to create a library of information from all kinds of different sources that hopefully, you know, might be able to help you on whatever journey you're on. So if I'm not mistaken, part of the guides.co model is, um, so say an audience member is listening, they can head to guides.co and they have something that they want to share, or they have some, uh, a, some, a teachable something they can leverage the platform to do that. And what's the monetization piece there for users? So, right. So there is no monetization okay. piece for users. So, um, what they can do is, you know, I, I kind of liken it to a cross between, um, kind of Pinterest, uh, and YouTube. And so they can create content on there. Um, they can also subscribe to other content. They can kind of mix and match it into what we call different channels. Um, and so they can take information and curate that in a way that they find it most useful. And they can use it personally. They can use it for their club or organization or association, their company. And they can create a resource section on their website. They can create a portal with it. And so it's a way of, instead of just a pure uh, uh, content creation piece. Um, it's a way that they can create, but also enable their audience to subscribe to that information and curate it amongst other things that they're, that they're using. And so, um, it's a free tool for, for both content creators and the consumers like Pinterest, you can mix and match and use it in different ways. Um, and then large organizations. So we've got you know, um, obviously any individual can use it, but we also have larger organizations that use it. Um, here in Canada, <clears throat> we 
have a lot of companies in the uh, building construction industry, um, a lot in the in the um, kind of first responders, so police and fire that use it, a lot in the health industry. Um, but we also have all levels of government that use it. And so we've got, um, you know, the, the Canadian government that publishes on it, almost every province and a lot of municipalities. And what's great to see is it's, it's, it's is that they're using it as a network. And so it's not just them that are publishing information, but they're curating that information as well. Fantastic. So you've had a very long entrepreneurial journey. What are some lessons that you wish you would have known right out of the gate in terms of what you've learned now and looking back at your younger self and saying, I wish I could tell you this. Yeah. I, I worry that the, whatever I say is going to sound trite because it, it, we've heard it all before. And Trite's I think, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's all personal, right? Like I think that everybody's journey is slightly different. You know, I think that the, the themes are, are, are very similar. And so I'll tell you that the, the themes, my themes are, 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 are probably going to resonate with other people. Um, you know, but, uh, I would say that early on, um, you know, I, I didn't, I spent a lot of time thinking about where I was trying to end up and, and spent a lot of time on the destination. That, that was the important piece. And it was about how fast can I get there? Uh, I've never been interested in, in kind of uh, uh, public recognition or things like that. So um, but I've often thought, you know, I, I kind of see where I want to be and I just need to get there faster and grow faster and be bigger. And, um, and sometimes that, that you miss out on the journey and, and appreciating whatever stage that you're in. Uh, because even when it seems like it's really dark days, um, you know, you're, you're learning new things about yourself and, um, about whatever it is that you're trying to craft. And so, you know, uh, I really think that it's really important to be kind of present and enjoy the journey all the time through the, that process. Um, I'd say that, that probably the hardest thing is listening to people like me and, and, and podcasts like this is, is, is thinking about, you know, what is, uh, success look like and, and, you know, how can I get there and trying to find blueprints and, you know, shortcuts and ways to get there. And I think that they're helpful from a motivational standpoint. I think you can definitely find, you know, small pieces that you can use and what you're doing. But the most important thing is, is, you know, create your own path. Like there is no, you know, there's no one way to do it. And if you try to do it some, you know, the way somebody else did, um, you know, then it's not going to be authentic and it's less likely to succeed. You have low rates of quote unquote success anyway. So you should do it the way that you think makes the most sense. And I don't think it's about adopting or adapting or changing who you are. Just be more of, of who you are and, you know, keep knocking on doors and people will start listening, I think. I find that like when I was early in my entrepreneurial journey, the tactics and all of that, it just felt like that's what I needed. Just like you said, to find that blueprint, to make the right next step, to, to make the hard stuff not so hard. Exactly. But I find that like when we find the, the closer we come to ourselves is through challenge, yep. especially in this entrepreneurial journey. And you mentioned mental health earlier, but I would love your thoughts on entrepreneurship and the dialogues that we aren't necessarily having enough of around mental health of entrepreneurs. How have you maintained uh, or been sustained and overcome through your journey? What, what have been the supports around you that you are like, these are non-negotiable? Yeah. I mean, I, um, so I, I don't, most of my, most of my close friends are not entrepreneurs. So for me, entrepreneurship is my job and that's what I do. And then, uh, the people that I call my closest friends, um, they, they, they do very different things. They're, you know, they're artists, they're, uh, 
workers in a lot of different areas. I focus a lot on time on my family and it's beyond to separate those two things. Like, you know, there's, I have a, a pursuit and, and it's difficult as an entrepreneur because it's my passion and my work. Um, but that's separate from me. That's not, that's not the same thing. It's a big piece of me, but it's not me. And I think, I think that's, that's really important. Have you always felt that way? Cause even when you sat around books, like you don't read entrepreneurship books. Like yeah. I feel like a lot of the time, the messaging around entrepreneurship is like that hustle, make it 24 seven. It's everything you do, go all in. And personally, like I don't prescribe to that because I know how, how unhealthy it can be. But this like very intentional separation, is that what makes your entrepreneurship journey long-term sustainable? I don't know. Like I think I'm wired that way. I don't, I've got four kids and I don't, I don't wish entrepreneurship on any of them. Um, I hope, I hope they're on entrepreneurial, you know, and I hope that, uh, and I hope everybody, you know, and I think we think we are. I don't think you can not be in today's age. I don't spend times talking, spend any time talking about guides.co and our philosophy and what we're trying to do to entrepreneurs because they already get it. It's every other, uh, um, you know, every other industry that's having to be entrepreneurial now. You know, oftentimes entrepreneurs feel like, well, we have bigger sacrifices and we work harder. Like, it's just not true anymore, you know? Um, and I mean, it's never been true amongst the artist community and yet they don't have the same kind of, um, call it background or some of these issues that, that we have. Um, but also I, we, we do a lot of work with, with, uh, uh, the police and, you know, just imagine, being a police officer today compared to 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, your job was to enforce the law and that was it. Now today around community policing, I mean, you know, you, you are expected on the streets to deal with things like mental health, you know, with different nationalities, with, you know, very different, uh, um, you know, social understandings. You got different, you know, languages, especially here. Um, but also you're expected to be, you know, a, 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 a somebody who understands how the whole community works, you know, and know all the services that exist. I mean, it's not even the same thing and it changes so rapidly now, you know, every aspect of their jobs is changing all the time. And so if you're not entrepreneurial as a police officer and figuring out how do you stay on top of all this information, um, you're not going to be successful. So I think that, um, you know, the, the, we all have become or need the same skills that entrepreneurs need now, nowadays, but I think we need to kill the sacred cow of us being special somehow because we're entrepreneurs or starting things. I love what you said. We absolutely have to end this hustle, go harder, go home. Um, I don't like pitch fests, like, like all these things that make it into a spectacle and into, you know, a, a do or die binary kind of approach. I think it's very, very, very damaging. And, um, you know, I, I think what we're starting to see now, which I'm, I'm a part of, uh, and, and working out when you talk about fundraising, I think some of that has to come from a different way to fund companies as well as the right now, um, you mentioned, you know, the, the raising money in later stage, it is binary. Like they invest in you and either you succeed or you fail. There's no in between. And what that means is that this whole approach is being propagated and, and continue to get propped up. And we need to change that. We need to have better funding mechanisms where it's not just venture capital, where they get, you know, a, a, a return as fast as possible. Instead, we need to look at more traditional type funding and lending that I think can help change that. But uh, I mean, this, this absolutely has to stop this kind of all in go hard or go home kind of approach. What is your personal philosophy around failure? What do you see failure as in your life? I mean, I think failure is when you give up, like is, is so failure, you know, ultimate failure is when you decide like the thing that I want 
um, I just can't do, you know, um, there's all kinds of setbacks. There's, you know, things like that. But um, unfortunately, I think it's a mental construct failure. And so you decide, you know, when you feel like a failure, you know what it feels like. I know what it feels like when you feel like a failure. But there's no, you know, time just keeps going. There, There's no, you know, it's, it's somebody isn't a failure. A, a thing they do has failed. That's a failure, right? And I think you have to separate those two things. And um, you're the one who defines what success and failure looks like, but um, you know, people aren't failures in the same way that someone who lies, you know, isn't now a liar. Right. So um, I think it's easy, um, you know, to be too Pollyanna about failures. I've had them. I've gotten knocked down where I wasn't sure how I was going to get up. Um, and I think you, you, we ought to figure out how we're going to do that. I don't want to say, you know, failure is good because it's not, doesn't, doesn't feel good. Um, but I think it's all, you know, from a mental standpoint, how you handle it. Right. And, um, having a good support network of people who love you for who you are, not what you do, I think is critical to that. And and I'm lucky to have that in my family and friends. I just get a sense and you just shared that, you know, you've had those moments that you're just knocked off your feet and you're figuring out how to crawl, figuring out how to stand up again. Um, that resilience of rising and just coming back to life and, and, and waking up another day <laughs> to be trite. What advice do you have to help people build resilience to face, you know, those feelings and perceptions of failure head on, but to still keep going in spite of it? I think that uh, any answer I give you is because there's time between how I, when I felt that way and how I feel now. Um, I think if you had asked me at the time or times, you know, when, when I felt that way, um, I wouldn't have an answer. And, and so I think that, that it's less important about like how you do it than, than who, who you're doing it with. So I think it's about, again, just surrounding yourself with people. And then I think it's perspective and time and it won't both time and distance creates perspective. And so, you know, having a time out and t- taking yourself away from, you know, that situation I think is really important. And whether that means it's, you know, a week or a month or a year. Um, but I think you need to have some kind of, of space in order to get from difficult situations, you know, to, to the next place. Um, cause I don't think that there is one way, you know, to do it. And I think there's a lot of people who, you know, use exercise and meditation and, um, but I think we're, we're all social and I think it's, it's the most important thing is, is, you know, to build a, an important, you know, loving network around you and, um, not so that it's there when you need it, but, um, for there during, you know, both the hard times and the good times. It's that human connection yep. coming back to it and never forgetting it. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, uh, being able to go through these moments, low moments, pick yourself back up, you really get to know yourself. So what would you say are your greatest strengths in business? Like, what do you most love doing? Why is this your chose chosen mode of insanity? Uh, yeah. So I'd say my greatest strength that I, I believe is that, um, I think I'm, I'm very good at the big picture. So being able to, to, to visualize, you know, where, where, where do we need to go? You know, what, what does that really look like? Um, what does it feel like, you know, when we get there, like, you know, so, um, really having that, that kind of high level kind of view, but then being able to zoom down into very micro kind of small 
components. Like, okay, so what next? Like, how do we eat this elephant? And what are the steps that we need, we need to take in order to do it? And so I'd say that zooming in and out is, is in, in one of my strengths is being able to, to do that and be able to connect those dots. Um, I'd say that's probably my, you know, what I feel is my greatest strength as a, as a, as an entrepreneur. And are you someone who prescribes to this notion of going all in on your strengths and then building around you to support that? Or are you also someone who you've been working on different facets of yourself in business that are perceived weaknesses so that you can kind of raise it all up at the same time? I don't know. I don't know that I've ever thought of it. To be honest, I try to do what I have to do in order to get the job done and try to lead from behind. So, um, like I said, I don't read business books. I don't look at how do I, you know, I, how do I become stronger in, in one area or another area? I've, I don't apply for jobs, so I don't worry about my resume or, you know, what people think from that standpoint. Try to create products and, and environments that people want to be around and be part of. Um, I, like anybody who uh, has, has, you know, worked with me knows that, um, you know, I, I believe that my job is to support them. Um, I think that's what leadership looks like is um, you make them as successful as they can be. And so I strive to do that. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the platforms kind of that I've built have all been around how do you create an atmosphere, not um, dictate, you know, rules or how things should be. So um, to be honest, I, I haven't thought from a, a big picture, what are the skills I need? longer term it's what needs to get done in order to fix it or to take another step forward and is it me that needs those skills or do I find people who can do them but it's not I don't I don't have a uh, overall framework of how to develop those things mm -hmm. and sense. never a chip on your shoulder that you have to be the one to solve x problems it's more how can we efficiently do this right now yeah and 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 oftentimes especially in the early building stages efficiency is isn't even doesn't even come in the equation, you know, efficiencies later on, yeah. but, uh, you know, early on, it's just how do we get it? What's, how do we move those, those boulders? Let's right? do the thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when I talk to mothers on the podcast or, or women who have just become mothers, um, their journey with motherhood is such a big part of, um, their entrepreneurial journey. It requires downtime, all of those things. You're a father of four. How has fatherhood impacted your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh my. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely has. I mean, it, you know, I would say as, again, I was saying earlier how much I've got, you know, how, how important I think is that kind of the visualization, kind of that bigger picture. Um, and as any parent, I think could tell you, it's especially when you have your first child, your center of universe moves from you to that child. Right. And, and you, you become a secondary character. Um, I think I've always felt that way about the startups or things I've worked on is that they're independent from me. Here's a thing that is its own thing and we need to support it and help grow it. Um, I think what, what fatherhood and parenthood has helped with is more recognizing that journey. As I mentioned earlier, I think is not being focusing on the hustle and how fast can I get it done and burning myself out, you know, along the way, which causes you to make bad mistake or bad, bad choices and mistakes along the way. And so recognizing as my, as my children grow, um, you know, that, sometimes it's not about how fast you can, you can get there. It's about the quality of the, uh, uh, you know, of the, of the, of the product along the way, if that makes sense. So I think it's, it is appreciating that journey and looking at it from a longer term than just, 
you know, trying to do something quickly. Mm-hmm. And in terms of partnership, how, how important like has your choice of life partner been in enabling you to be the kind of entrepreneur or person like not entrepreneur, but person yeah. that you want to be in this life? Yeah. I mean, it's just, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's, it's absolutely crucial, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, from a parenting standpoint, it's funny when, 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 when I was younger and first got married, one of the big questions and in areas that you didn't know about was, well, how are our parenting styles maybe different? And it's a big concern. Um, you know, if you're going to have kids, you worry about maybe we're not going to want to parent the same way. And, um, you know, luckily I think my wife and I have very common kind of values and, and so it's been easier, but I've, I've actually come to really love the fact that we do have different parenting styles. Um, you know, and, and we have different relationships with our children. It's not, there's not one relationship. I have a different relationship with my children than she has. And it's actually appreciating those differences and our different approach to things that makes us better together, but also enriches the experience for my kids. And so, um, yeah, I think absolutely that partnership is critical. And, you know, I'm extremely lucky because of how great she is um, and how open she is, you know, along the journeys that we, we go through in order to participate in those journeys. And I understand, you know, why people can only go so far together in a journey and they end up, you know, separating. And, and I've, I've grown to appreciate that that's not always a bad thing that, you know, you see it in business quite often where partners decide to go different ways. And it's always too bad when it ends acronomous, acronomous in a bad way. Um, but the, uh, the, but it's understandable, you know, um, that somebody may not, you know, two or three or five people can continue together on the journey when not everyone wants to necessarily end up in the same place. So I'd say my, my partnership has been unbelievable and, uh, I've been extremely lucky from that perspective. Um, and, we've definitely gone places and done things in our relationship with our kids and in life that neither of us expected and, um, and, you know, have, have been luckier to have done it. In regards to your, uh, the role that you might play in the lives of up and comers and uh, entrepreneurs or young people, how do you view yourself uh, or how do you, how do you become the best mentor that you can be to young people uh, as they're coming up in their careers or their lives? Yeah. The, uh, I, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of mentorship, I'd say, um, you know, kind of for about a decade up until a few years ago. And while I still, I still appreciate talking to young people, I'm much more interested now in shifting um, the landscape. And I think that's where I can play a greater role. And so I mentioned earlier around fundraising, and I think that this is a huge problem. And so working with uh, uh, my partner Guido on a new fund where um, instead of it being venture capital, it's a uh, revenue-based financing where we don't take any equity at all and you pay back over time based on your, uh, your top-line revenue. And I think that we need to, as an industry, change the way that we're funding things, change the whole, um, you know, kind of, you know, fraternity, uh, go hard and all this other messaging. And so I'm, I'm interested in how can I help shift that, um, in the, in more in the background than as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, in the foreground with that, I think similarly in the uh, learning space, I think that, 
Um, a lot of what we do today is around accreditation, is around certificates um, that kind of open new doors. And I think that needs to shift to continual skill development, um, to change it to always on kind of learning. I think that there's a huge area we don't talk enough about, but it's starting to get some some um, uh, some discussions around platforms and how we manage platforms. I think that there's too much concentration of uh, ownership and decision-making on platforms. That seems innocuous in the early days, but once these platforms get larger and larger, um, they actually have a lot of uh, power in, in markets and in society. I think it's very, uh, very dangerous. So I'd say those are, you know, kind of three areas that I'm really passionate about and feel like a lot of the work that I can be doing there is trying to shift out of the dialogue, shift some of that landscape, and it becomes less about me and, and what I can do kind of on a one-on-one kind of basis and more on how can we help kind of move these things in a different direction, if that, if that makes sense. At a larger scale, how can you shift things for the up-and-coming generations versus the one-on-one micro? Exactly. Yeah. Because exactly. it sounds like there was a big piece of your career where that was the investment was on the micro level. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, there wasn't much there. I mean, now, you know, when I was started and I came to, to Ottawa, there was no startup Canada. You know, uh, there, entrepreneurship wasn't something taught in universities. There was, there was zero accelerators or incubators. Um, you know, the uh, Invest Ottawa wasn't created yet. You know, they hadn't changed their name. Uh, it was much more of a technology uh, trade organization. And lots changed for entrepreneurs since, you know, the, the days when I, when I came back to Ottawa. And so I think there's a lot more support that exists. There's a lot more, I think that we could do better um, in appreciating entrepreneurs as equals. I think that a lot of the support organizations around entrepreneurs still treat them like children, which I think is too bad. Um, there's never been um, an investor who's made money without an entrepreneur, but there's been lots of entrepreneurs who've made money without investors. Um, and so I think we need to, change the way that we're approaching entrepreneurs as as being inexperienced and stupid and appreciate what they're bringing. Um, and so that could, that can help, I think from, from that standpoint, point that out, but otherwise there is still, there's a ton of resources now that are available. Um, there's a lot more opportunities, the, the barriers a lot lower. And so I don't think that, um, I have the most value I can bring is, you know, mentorship from a one-on-one perspective. Um, and, and as I mentioned, I don't think that it matters whether it's, you know, my name is involved or not. I think what's more important is that we see these larger shifts and I've got a, I'm fortunate enough to have a larger network now in order to be able to, to um, hopefully have more of a, a, an impact in being able to change some of that rather than um, as much on the one-on-one side. So for our audience, as they're engaging with guides.co, uh, how do you, how can they use it to better their organization to better their daily life? I think from, uh, you know, what, what we hope to evolve as in, in, in guides.co is the place where you can find actionable and practical information on topics that matter from the sources that you trust. And I think today, a lot of organizations rely on closed network of information sharing inside their organization. What we'd love to see is that um, those organizations might have 20% of their information being created internally, but 80% is being fed to them from other places and that they're being vetted regularly so that your, you know, quote unquote employee portal or place where you go as a team has got all kinds of great input coming in from different partners and places you need to find information. I hope that it's the place where as, as you, whether as an employee or as an individual, as you encounter these major shifts in life, 
that it becomes a, a source, a trusted source of a place where you can find information that's practical on just resetting kind of your, your, your boundaries and, you know, finding your feet kind of as it shifts, because it, 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 it does happen faster than, than ever before as far as the change and the things that, that are, that are evolving. And so, you know, and, 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 and similarly, we all go online and we, we do our individual research, whether it means, you know, going to buy a car or finding a job or, um, you know, learning about even more substantial matters. If you're doing that research, it'd be great to capture that and share it with other people online. And we hope that it's the kind of platform that you feel uh, comfortable and willing to be able to share research that you've done in order to be able to help other people who may be going through the same issues that you are. Awesome. And our final question for all of our guests is, what advice do you have for female entrepreneurs so that they can thrive in both their business and their life? I'd say the number one thing is to be yourself, uh, be more you, you know, like more cowbell and not uh, try to change and, you know, fit into what other people want you to. I think on all of the advice that you are given and things that you find, you need to look through your lens and decide whether it's compatible and, and, and congruous with who you are and your beliefs. And then if it is, then, then I think it's a great thing that you can work in. Um, but otherwise, I think you should be quick to um, to ignore it. I think that uh, what we don't need is for more women to act differently, um, whether it's in business or anywhere else. It's for more to be more like women in those spaces. And so um, that's true of men as well. You know, let's be more of ourselves rather than trying to adapt and, and think that we need to change. Thank you so much for coming, Scott. We I so enjoyed our conversation today. As did I. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. <laughs>